Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. This is Ailey Nicholson from Perth, Western Australia, although the accent is from Presswick, Scotland. And this is George, Squeak George. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you to Ailey Nicholson and uh, George, who I can only assume and hope is a canine, uh, that you heard introducing our show there. Thank you, Ailey and George in Perth. Um, Today, David, is our 19th podcast in the 27 days of November so far, uh, and our 125th of the year on our free to everybody, free at the point of use, public tennis podcast feed. Uh, We've also produced 25 podcasts for Friends of the Tennis Podcast subscribers this year. So in total, drum roll please, that is 150 podcasts so far in 2022. And uh, we're very much currently cultivating plans for more Friends podcasts in December. We hope you've enjoyed them. And if you have and would like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast to support our production and gain access to all of our bonus podcasts, you can do just that. The link to do so is in our show notes and you can get yourself a shout out or introduce the show right now. From December the 8th at 4pm UK time, uh, we'll also be open for business for 2023 pet mascots, uh, as well as predictions, guest producers, executive producers, uh, all of those uh, positions are becoming vacant. So keep an eye out for our weekly newsletter for details. Uh, You can sign up to receive that newsletter for free in our podcast show notes right now. I don't know why anybody wouldn't have not signed up for that, but if you haven't, sort it out. (laughs) That's where you'll find all the details. David, how are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, I am all right. And 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 George is a dog, uh, by the way, and a a very lovely dog who I've seen the pictures of, so I must forward those to you because they're really worth having a look at. What what is he? Okay. What type of dog? Now you're pushing me into territory mm. I, I, I'm uncomfortable in. So a, a nice one, a fluffy one. Lovely. A nice fluffy one. Yeah. Great. Uh, 150 podcasts, day, Catherine. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it's 
it's quite a lot. Today is the day, David, not only that we record our uh, 19th podcast in November so far, uh, but it's also the day that Canada won the Davis Cup for the very first time in their history. Uh, now, folks, David is going to spend the remainder of this episode pretending to be really pleased for Canada. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that he has spent most of the afternoon trolling Canada uh, on our WhatsApp and a little bit on the internet because David's beloved Croatia beat Canada at football today and David wasn't very magnanimous about it. No, I wasn't. I mean, I was pleased for them in the Davis Cup. I didn't I didn't mind who won that, to be honest. Um, and I really enjoyed the scenes that we had. But uh, yes, I... I have Croatian skin in the game, so I was very much um, enjoying that sort of turn of events. You were very much not happy with the uh, Canadian football manager. No, no, because he said something pretty derogatory and disrespectful in the direction of Croatia pre-match, and they stuffed four goals down his throat. So there we are, Uh, one all, we'll call that, shall we? Well, maybe that's what the... I don't think Leighton Hewitt did that. There's no need to cast dispersions on Leighton Hewitt. I'll stop that th- thought where I where I started it. But Canada were fired up by something today, David, weren't they? 2-0, and didn't go to the doubles, um, which is a, a shame for the neutral. I desperately wanted that final to, to go to the doubles, as you said last night. The previous four ties all had uh, mm. gone to the doubles and that had been that had been great for the competition, I think. But... Although Canada were were very much the favourites on paper going into this one, I was quite surprised by how one-sided it was. Quite frankly, it was a bit of a rout by Canada over Australia. The far superior team, two fantastic singles performances from Denis Shapovalov beating Thanasi Kokonakis and Felix Auger-Liassime beating Alex de Menor, both in straight sets, both, frankly, very comfortably. Now, we'll be reacting to all of that very soon. But first, before everybody tunes out, David, and goes, oh, another show without Matt, not going to (laughs) bother. We've got some Matt for you, folks. Uh, He's still not feeling great, but he is improving. He's going to be flying home tomorrow, and he felt well enough today after the final to send us and you, lovely listeners, a voice note. So here is Matt reflecting on the final and the week as a whole. Hello everyone, Matt here. Uh, Sorry I've not been on the podcast in the last few days. I was was in the thick of the action here in Malaga. I was really enjoying it and then uh, I got flu. So I had to spend the next few days in my hotel room. Probably probably calmer for spending too much time on the podcast talking about my ocean view and walking around town in my shorts. But uh, anyway, thanks to everyone who sent well wishes my way. I'll uh, I'll try to keep this short before I have a coughing fit or need to blow my nose or anything. But um, I just wanted to contribute a little something extra before, before I leave here. Uh, I've quite literally just finished watching the final between Canada and Australia. The The highlights are still playing on my screen. And um, as always, I'm just struck by the huge amount of emotion on display at the end of these ties, both both from the winning team and the losing team. It's always a 
just a very emotional experience, one of the end of these ties. Um, for Australia, well, I suppose it's it's a familiar feeling, having just reached the final of the Billie Jean King Cup as well and come so close to, to winning that event. I think it was the first time that Australia had reached the final of both the Davis Cup and the Billie Jean King Cup in the same year, since 1993. So an extraordinary effort from from both those sides and both of them really contributed so much to each event. They both understand the the rich history of the event. They're both so desperate to win it. Uh, and I enjoyed watching their teams and their efforts so much. Um, I said about the Billie Jean King Cup Australia team, I, I don't know how much better that team can get it really feels like they're maximizing whereas this davis cup team well there is a player who would add some quality if you if you were to throw him in that's obviously nick kyrgios but if you did that do you lose some of what's made them so great that spirit that putting aside of ego that all being on the same page and fighting for the same cause I don't know, maybe Kyrgios is is capable of all that, but um, that's a conundrum for next year. They will play the Davis Cup finals next year um, and the finals will be will be better for it because Australia always, always bring a lot to this competition. And yeah, just shout out to Dimonor and Thompson and Hewitt who've, who've all been really, really great this week. Um, as for Canada, well... Congratulations, Canada. Um, I, was in, I was in Madrid in 2019 when Canada reached their first Davis Cup final and Shapovalov and Auger Eliassime were part of the team then. I think they were still teenagers or only just 20 and the narrative was that they were about to take over really and that this would be their springboard and, you know, it hasn't quite happened like that but maybe now this will be the time particularly i think in the case of Auger Aliassime it just seems like he's elevated so much in the last few months i know we've talked about it a lot on the podcast and there are still some real caveats about whether he can carry it forward into the slams and different conditions but he is playing some extraordinary tennis right now and in that final the way he played his best tennis when he was breakpoint down or was sort of nerveless when he was love 30 down, trying to serve it out. It's all just all just brilliant from him at the moment. And, you know, if if Australia, you know, is around the corner, obviously, that does feel like the slam where conditions are the least impactful, I suppose. Um, take You know, I, I know you get some extreme heat, but you don't normally have to deal with too much rain or damp, cold conditions. Um you can get some pretty perfect tennis conditions there in the evening and maybe that will suit Orgialia seem. Anyway, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch him in Melbourne in, in just a couple of uh, months' time. But yeah, massive, massive congratulations to Canada. Um, I know there's very serious, legitimate question marks over whether they should even have been here this week, having already lost in the competition this year. In a way, it does feel like a sort of fitting finish for this wackiest of tennis seasons that the final event of the year is 
is won by a nation that had already been eliminated from the competition earlier on. <laughs> but anyway, um, what else can I say? Well, I noticed that in the two years where both events have taken place, the ATP Cup and the Davis Cup have had the same winners each year. 2021, it was Russia. 2022, it's Canada. Who could possibly have predicted that? Thank goodness that nonsense is over and bring on the United Cup to replace the ATP Cup. Um, and then I guess just a final word on on the event generally, because I do think it's been the most successful version of the new Davis Cup. Um, the tennis has been brilliant. It has been in other editions as well. I always expect the tennis players to deliver and put on a show. Uh, but I think so many of the other aspects have been have been a lot better this this week, particularly of course the attendances. I think averaging just under nine thousand every day, which is pretty much capacity of this arena. Fantastic. Uh, and real something to build on there, I think. Um, maybe Malaga is a better destination than Madrid, going back to what Catherine was saying about Turin and it not being a capital city. I love Madrid, um, but there's so much happening there, you know, including two massive football teams and tennis is probably never going to be the, the real focus there, especially out of season. Um, plus, if you're a big big tennis fan looking to come to the Davis Cup finals, well, the weather in Malaga is very appealing, even even in November, much warmer than, than Madrid at this time of year, much warmer than most European cities. So I don't know, maybe that's that's a factor as well in the way they've been able to, to get so many um, national fans across from, from so many countries. Um, still think there are some issues, wild cards, the fact it is always in Spain, some of the group stage ties were not were not especially well attended, um, but it's growing. I think it's encouraging. Um, the flow of the event here was really good with just one type per day, pretty much, knockout from the start. I think that worked. And yeah, maybe, maybe this is just an example of that we need to give this new format time. Uh, they've made mistakes, but they, it seems to be learning from them and creating a really good event. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. Um, if you'll allow me to just finish by saying that this is the first time I've actually been ill while, while on a work trip, if you can call it work. And I must say it was pretty, pretty miserable for a few days there, uh, particularly in this environment where I'd been sent out as our reporter, our eyes and ears on the ground, and suddenly I couldn't, couldn't do that role. I felt a little bit hopeless and helpless and sort of like you're letting everyone down, but without wishing to be too cringe or to embarrass them too much, that's, that's where David and Catherine are the best. Uh, they made me not think like that. They took on a lot of extra responsibility and a lot of extra work, which you won't even know about and um, just generally helped me to feel a lot better about myself. So I know I'm very lucky to have them. I'm very grateful for them. And um, yeah, I just wanted you, the listeners, to know that. Um, I'll hand you back to David and Catherine now and speak soon.
Well, luckily, that's the second time I've uh, listened to that voice note because um, the, uh, f- following the first time that I listened to it, I was crying because that was so lovely of Matt to say that at the end. And uh, it's lovely to hear him sounding, if not 100%, then well enough to to leave an extremely coherent voice note. Um, so, yeah, get well soon, Matt. And thank you for your many interesting thoughts which I think will provide a really good jumping off point um for the pod should we talk about the matches David first sure um I mean there's not loads to drill down into I don't think it's two superior tennis players beating two inferior tennis players I suppose there's the fact that neither Shapovalov barring I think one moment the first time he went to serve for the match when he had a shocker didn't he but he he had a double break in his back pocket and second time he went up to serve for it didn't blink barring that one moment neither seemed to be suffering from the pressure at all or certainly not showing any outward evidence of it they those two players who were both on paper favored to win their matches they didn't really blink and that was very impressive yeah, the main thing they did was what we were waiting for them to do all week, which didn't happen, i.e. for them both to play well on the same day in singles. Okay, it was, look, Ojeali has seen played well all week. He played eight sets. He won the lot over the course of the week. So he was fantastic. Um, Shapovalov, not so much. Two singles matches, he lost them both, and he was favourite to win them both. So this was the moment where he stepped up as a singles player, and my goodness, did he. He was four love up in about 10 minutes in his match against Thanasi Kokonakis. I think the the question mark really is over the selection of Kokonakis by Hewitt. And it wasn't really drilled into in the press conference. I read the, the transcript of that. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's only a small question mark because I still think if Shapovalov played like that, he'd have won. He'd have beaten Thompson. Um, but I think Thompson would have perhaps asked him a few questions that Kokonakis didn't or couldn't because Kokonakis just didn't look like he troubled him at all, really. Maybe briefly in the second set he started to hold his serve better and and he had a couple of breakpoint chances and he was hitting the ball a bit harder, but the patterns of play just caused... Shapovalov, no, no trouble at all, and and he's got never made him uncomfortable, no. did he? With, with Shapovalov, you got to take his time away and make him doubt himself, and he just seemed right in his comfort zone from the first point, pretty much to the last. Mm, yeah, that, he did, uh, and I, I still think. Look, I'd have gone Thompson, but easier to say from the outside. I don't know what what's going on on the inside. I don't know what the tactic overall is, and. Um, and Leighton Hewitt knows far more about it than I do. But but my sense was that would have been the way to go. I said it last night. But I still think Shapovalov had got his head right on today. He was he was ready f- for a match. He played really well. Uh, he got nervous just once or twice, little flickers here and there maybe, but but he played really well. And then he set it up for Felix. And, and yet Felix Ogeliasim still had to really produce today because... Dimonor put him under pressure and he had the early breakpoint chances in the opening set. I think he had four or five of them and he just didn't take them. And he had eight overall in the match and there were some really hairy moments in that second set. 
And Ozzy Aliasim just stands up to it. In, in all week long, he stood up to anything you've thrown at him. And uh, I, I was mightily impressed. There were two particular points that I'd just like to pick out from Ozzy Aliasim. One is when Dimonor has finally forced three break points in the second set. And this is the moment where he's just lobbed Ozzy Aliasim. He's going crazy. Hewitt's off the bench and he's just saying, now, now this is the time and it's Love 40. And the first point from Love 40, they have a side-to-side rally where Ozzy Aliasim is just sending him, darting him left and right and left and right and Dimonor's chasing every one of them down and asking every possible question that he could and yet Ozzy Aliasim still won the rally because he just didn't miss. And the second one was a little bit later. Once again, the pressure was being put on, but this time it was Dimonor exerting it by going after the backhand relentlessly, asking the questions of the, the Ozzy Aliasim backhand. He put one onto the sideline. I mean, it was very close to going out, but it wasn't. And then he ran all the way around the next attempt to get it on his backhand with that just wonderful footwork of his to hit that inside-in forehand over the high part of the net right into the postage stamp. That forehand mm. of his was the only thing more reliable than the Ogiel-Yassim serve all week was the Ogiel-Yassim forehand. It was, it's those two things that are going to make him uh, either a good player or a great player, ultimately, if you can, can maximise those two weapons. And on the evidence of this week, there's there's... There's a lot still to come from him. He was fantastic today. He was. It was Djokovician, wasn't it? Mm. I think you put that on Twitter, the way he just stood up and delivered uh, pressure on. And uh, he, w- he was too good for Dimonor today. I'm not sure how much more Dimonor could have could have done, really. He, he he always shows up, doesn't he, Dimonor? He gives what he gives. And there's a ceiling there. If he run in, uh, runs into a player with a bigger game than him that's on, then he can get overwhelmed and overpowered. And that's that's what happened today. Um, it was a shame, shame not to see the doubles, David. I wanted the doubles. Mm, me too. Mm, yeah. But anyway, very, very worthy winners, Canada. But but for what we discussed last night, which, which was should they even have been there at all? We don't need to... We don't need to go over that again i suppose given the the spotlight we showed it last night but it the, the, it is an asterisk isn't it i mean it, it the only one thing i would want to point out is the reaction to that conversation i mean inevitably from proud canadian tennis fans who don't like any of the gloss being taken off this win which i understand but i also think they Whilst I don't, I don't personally agree with this view. I think, I think the decision to give them a pass into the the group stages, I, I don't agree with that. Right? I think it should have been uh, there should have been a, a blank in the in the group stages in the absence of Russia. Um, but a lot of people have written in and said we have we have lucky losers every single week of the tennis year. Why should there not be a lucky loser? in this instance, that goes and wins the event. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting point. A lot of a lot of fans, a lot of listeners to us made that point. And, uh, and I still, just instinctively, it's never been the case in Davis Cup before that, that you have wild cards or 
lucky losers, as far as I'm aware. This just never used to happen, and so I can't get used to it. Um, and it just um, it does make make me think a little bit that they shouldn't really have been in it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, their triumph was amazing, and they also the players that were in the group stages and the finals this week all delivered and all delivered brilliantly. One thing I would say in response to that, and it's a good point and it's something I will think on, I think, but with the Lucky Loser system, there's an extremely clear uh, and clean and clear system for what happens when a player withdraws and how a Lucky Loser gets in and it's consistent across all tournaments. Here you have a steering committee uh, of four members, I think two from the ITF, two from Cosmos, selecting selecting wildcards and, and selecting the team that in this instance were the lucky losers. And as we understand it, they they did just go to the next team, next highest team in the rankings, which feels right to me. But that's not the the default reasoning. I think that's not the default system as as I under, understand it. I thought that they gave it I thought that that was the system they ended up coming up with as a ranking, but they don't do it and for And is that now cards. the rule? Is that now the rule? I don't I don't know. It's certainly not for wild cards. I mean in the case of wild cards it literally is. I mean, you know, we've had the draw today for the February qualifiers and Croatia don't get a wild card, but Italy does. They both lost in the semi-finals, and Spain mm. does. Spain are hosting the thing for the next three years. They've, sp- they've hosted it for the last two years. You know, when are they not going to host it? So they always get a, a wild card, I, I assume. And uh, and Italy have got one, and that is, as you say, a four-person steering committee that is looking at the the appeal, really, as much as anything, of those those particular teams. And um, and they're, they're they're drawing into um, consideration how many fans they bring. Now Italy brought loads. Uh, they're looking at the yeah. It, it's it's the all the things that wild cards are given for week to week. Again, it just doesn't feel right to me in the Davis Cup. Now I don't think wild cards week to week are given for how many fans a particular player will. Well, I think that they are. Bring, I think they are. Them. I think you 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 know you who do you give a wild card to for queens? You give it to somebody you think is going to be popular. Well, yeah, um, and and look at fair. and I do think a lot of people might say, well, hold on, Britain have got Wimbledon. They give loads and loads of wild card to British British players and French open to French players. Yeah, and- I mean, I have to say, I'm not I'm I'm not sure I believe in wild cards. Full stop. I mean, I do think that's a that's a debate. Um, perhaps not to be had now. Mm, that is a, uh, that's a very good debate, actually. Uh, for, mm. for the future, and and I and I I just feel like to me, if you're going to build this as the World Cup of tennis, which they very much are, we're watching the World Cup football at the same time, and there's only one wild card given, and that's to the host nation, and the host mm. nation rotates, and it doesn't stay the same every four years. So yeah, I just have a, I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's a follower of tennis or the Davis Cup or perhaps even of our podcast, probably not. And if he is, he probably doesn't have time for it at the moment. But Max Rushton, the host of uh, the Guardian Football Weekly podcast, just tweeted, uh, if I ran FIFA, I'd give Canada a buy into the knockouts because they've been great. Uh, which is obviously, you know, a re- irreverent, ironic tweet in a football context. But actually, 
that is sort of sort of what's happening in tennis. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's unsatisfactory. We don't necessarily have all the answers. Um, what were the press conferences like, David? Of uh, of both teams, um, you've touched a little bit on, you know, team selection for Australia. Obviously, Canada were delighted afterwards. Did you glean anything about how much of an impact this might end up having on Shapovalov and Orgeliasim in their singles careers? How uh, extra, you know, are the the Australian men's team now in the situation that the both the Australian Australian and in particular the the Swiss Billie Jean King Cup teams were were in this tournament you know completely motivated uh, by the loss in the final last year in Australia of of a few years ago. What, what did you learn? Yeah, well, we'll take them in turn. Canada first, and I, theirs theirs was a comical press conference because they'd all quite clearly had and were admitting to having had a couple of beers before they'd gone in. And uh, and they were <laughs> guaranteeing... Honestly cannot imagine drunk Felix Auger. And I tell you, he was, he was saying... Uh, he was interrupting Captain Frank Dansevic, who was, who was saying, uh, we're going to... They said, what, what are your plans for tonight? He said, we're not exactly sure yet, but what I can guarantee you is that nobody is going to bed before tomorrow's 6 a.m. flight. And, uh, and Felix Orgelia seems that's that. what Frank Dancevic said. And, uh, and Felix interrupted right. to say, Yeah, let's go, baby. <laughs> like this. And uh, they, hey. they were quite clearly, every one of them seemed absolutely on board with the biggest night out of all time, uh, which was quite, quite comical and, and good for them. You know, they've, uh, they've had a fantastic uh, week and, and clearly all put it in together. I mean, I can't, the only thing I can say is that. I just think that this might do Ogelia seem generally the world of good on a number of levels. I think he's enjoyed the team competition. I think he followed ATP Cup success with a very good Australian Open. I think he, I think he showed he can just handle it this week. That's the biggest thing of the lot. Is I mean his game stood up. It never, it never got dodgy. It never got fragile the way it sometimes gets. Uh, and we've got a lot of evidence of it breaking down. It didn't break down at all this week. It's still indoors. We've we've got to always consider that, and he's got to prove himself at these Grand Slams. But why why wouldn't he? Why? I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to work with anyway, and he just looks clearer minded than ever. So- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking, and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes, and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me, and Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com forward slash tennis, and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Me. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the Auger-Lessim naysayer. I, I feel like that is the, the role that I've inadvertently assumed recently because I agree with everything you've just said and I I do think it there's a good chance it'll happen for him at Grand Slam level. I do, I just look at his record this week and winning all those matches in straight sets, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. He has been brilliant. But that's never really, or certainly not recently, that's not been my question over Auger-Liassime, whether he can look brilliant, because he can. He's he's doing it more and more and more and more consistently. My question about him, particularly at the Grand Slams, is whether he can win ugly, whether he can put in those 7 out of 10 performances. Because too often this year, even recently, you know, I saw it at the ATP Finals against Casper Ruud, too often this year... He's put in a strange, bad performance. Jack Draper, US Open, Casper Ruud in Montreal, Casper Ruud at the um at the finals in Turin. Um Maxime Cressy, first round of Wimbledon. I know that's a tough draw, but you need to be winning that. Um when he's just looked bad and he's looked like he's malfunctioned and not been able to find a way through on a bad day. And that remains a question mark for me that has not been answered at all by this week all I've seen this week is him being great and I know he can be great I just don't think anybody ever wins slams you know okay there's the odd example but you're not going to win a slam playing great for seven matches no but I think he's been it doesn't happen I do think he's been great under pressure it's still a hell of a lot more sets that he's got to win and he's got to win them in different conditions without his friends on the sideline really to help him through and all the rest of it not not that I think I just I've just been really impressed with him this week in in a new in a new way because whilst yes we've seen him look really good in matches before and win them easily in the past this was still different this was kind of a rite of passage that I think a lot of Grand Slam champions of the future have to go through they have to be able to show they've got the goods somewhere 
and when the pressure's on, when it's when it's so easy to just let it get to you. And he just didn't. I know he's supposed to beat these guys on paper because he he's got the high ranking, but he and he did. And he just he just stood up to everything. So I'm I'm definitely more encouraged on his behalf than I've ever been, based on what we've seen this week. What about Shapovalov? I don't think much changes. Is this gonna in, change him? I I I I don't see any difference. I think he played really well today. I've seen him play very well before. He's got it all to prove if he's to, if he's to be any better than he is right now. He's still young enough. He's still got the most incredible game. He's one of those lucky players that is able to produce power on both sides. It's such a, an unusual combination that he has going for him. I just and I th- and I think it's possible that he could pull this off, but I think he might have to c- make quite considerable changes as changes to his life in order to achieve what he's what he's actually capable of with his game and that's probably getting a coach that is going to change his approach i don't know the the full details of his approach i'm not saying i'm i'm there courtside in his practice sessions i'm not but i've seen enough of his matches and i've seen enough bad losses to make me think something's not right something he loses too many uh and uh but I, and i and i really don't i'm not expecting an overhaul to be quite honest with you the the so so i i suspect in a year's time i'll probably be in quite a similar ranking doing quite similar things and that's fine if that's if he's happy with that that's fine and what about australia david are they going to come back next year pumped up like yeah. the Swiss Billy Jean King Cup team were. They, they are. And the, the final words of Alex de Menor in the in the press comments were were really telling in as much as just just let me let us get back here next year with the same matchup and then let's see is is the gist of what he said. But what preceded that was the most interesting part of the press comments. First of all, Hewitt was full of praise for his team and all the people that have contributed throughout the year. He, he had no regrets. He had no, no complaints about anybody that had contributed to this effort. But towards the end of the press conference, it was put to them that Nick Kyrgios might have been helpful during this during this final week. And the question was, did you, did you, are you going to try to did, did you try to get him can, can you persuade him to play davis cup next year he was asked and Hewitt said i don't know you'll have to ask him i can't try any harder he, he was smiling and then he was asked but so you have tried hard to get him on and he goes of course i try and come here with the best possible team that we could field and then alex dimonor was asked could you have a go at him and try and woo him to come on board and dimonor took his time and he just said I've tried as well, just wasn't meant to be. And uh, and I just thought they they're not trying to throw Kyrgios under the bus. They're not trying to complain and unnecessarily, but they all clearly tried to get him on board. I remember Kokonakis saying something earlier on in the week about how he tr- he tried to, to convince him to come, and. You know, Kyrgios talks a lot about how much he loves team competition and he's playing another team competition in a few weeks' time, whatever it is uh, in the Middle East, this World Tennis League, and he's he's posting... In Saudi? He, no, it's not that one. It's another one. Um, and he was right. he was posting a video uh, saying, come and watch, you know, I love team competition and all this sort of thing. And I'm thinking, you haven't played the Davis Cup this year. 
and you haven't even played Labour Cup, which you keep saying everybody's so great. I just, I, I don't know. I just, um, I'm interested to know. Yeah. I'd love to know what don't Australian listeners think about it. Really, um, mm. you know, and it's up to him. He can do what he likes, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say you're this mm. massive team player and you're ever all for Team Australia and then not show up to the biggest week of the year for team competition. So, mm. you know, one or the other. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I, I would, I would say, you know, it's it's probably like you know therapy or rehab that it it only works if you want to be there. Like the the fact that he doesn't want to be there is reason that he shouldn't be there. He would be a he wouldn't be a positive contribution to the team. No, but clearly, but I think he. You know, when when you're looking at uh, Matt was talking about how the. Billie Jean King Cup team is just maximising. And all of these players that were there this week were maximising. But they have this one other player, this player that could be a difference maker, could have been a difference maker today, and he wasn't there. So can they get him on board next year? Because this team isn't going away. They're going to come back. Even even Hewitt, as frustrated as he is with the with the with the format, and by the way, he said one one interesting thing about it as well was one of his complaints was that the net the, the Netherlands doubles team that had done so much to get them to this final week didn't get to play this week because the mm. match was over in straight sets against Australia, and he just says, "How can that be right? How can it be?" Now, to me, I take that as collateral damage. I'm prepared to accept as a as a fan and as an observer because we got all those four amazing deciding doubles matches which on balance I prefer and I love the fact that and I I think best of three sets in a day works I think I actually think it works yeah I I think I agree with you collateral damage you're prepared to accept this is that's so much of the debate around Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup reforms isn't it we all know and have known for years that compromise was needed and things would have to be lost in the process of that compromise. And people have different opinions on what collateral damage they and the sport should be prepared to accept. I agree with you about the doubles. I love it when the ties go to the doubles and I'm gutted when they don't. But I feel like you, you to have the elevation of the doubles... Um, you also have to, you know, it's rough with the smooth, isn't it? It for it to be extra exciting when it does come down to that, you you are going to need to take the hit of the few ties, uh, few ties when it doesn't. Um, I liked it being knockout this week, David. Yeah, so now I know, I know there are downsides to that from a tournament organizer's point of view. You know, not being guaranteed to be able to put certain teams and names on on the billing several times um but i, I that is that is a comp- compromise that i am 100% prepared to take one one tie per day i know there was one day with a couple of ties fine i can accept that but basically the model is one tie per day two slash three matches normal start time not too ghastly a finish time uh, and knockout I liked all of that. Yeah, there was. I, I think it was. I agree with Matt. It was by far the best of the three editions they've had since they remodelled it. They keep making tweaks every year, um, 
and I think that they're probably going to have to keep keep on making tweaks because I think this this week overall was a real success. I mean, it, I still want it to do better. I want it to have as many people watching it as possible globally because the sport was so good. The sport that we got to watch day in, day mm. out, it felt like we got this special pass because we were watching it every day and mm. getting to talk about it each night, you and me and, and Matt went before he was unwell. I do have one thought for the future, which I don't know what Leighton Hewitt would think about because I think he, I think he makes a really valid point that when is Australia ever going to host this thing? And mm. and therefore, how is that fair and how is that right and how much are you losing by not having that? And I, there's a big sort of financial element to all, everything, of course, and, and who can afford to host it. And so they're going to have to do a lot of uh, subsidising if they, if they were going to move it around. And as we know, the next two years, it's going to be in Malaga. It was a success in Malaga this year. So I, I'm I'm encouraged that it'll be good again. But... What about if you extended it a bit? I mean, last year, I think it was 13 days or something like that. And it was far better by being condensed as it has been into six dates this this year. I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. What about, though, if the winner of today's match, today's final, automatically went into the final next year, the final, and then everything else, like the semi-finals and 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 ultimately a final of this particular week, then next week went to the home of the previous year's winner. I I had the exact same idea, David. We fixed it. Hey, We've done it. Imagine yeah, that. I, you know, I, imagine if Australia had won today, and then next yeah. year they don't have to play Davis Cup all year long. But they yep. will be there waiting in Melbourne or Sydney or wherever they choose to host it. And they've got a full year to stage it and get tickets sold and get a 15,000 seat stadium and be waiting for the winner of Canada and Italy. It's, that is a little similar to the America's Cup format, uh, where the winner from the previous years sort of lies in wait to take over, take on the winner of all the others competing to to challenge them and the additional benefit that they get in the, the the reigning champions in the America's Cup, which is sailing, get is that they get to set the specifications for the boats. So, you know, the 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 comparison for that would for tennis would be the the host team, the reigning champions would get to set the conditions, choose the venue, have the home crowd. I like I like that America's Cup E template. Um I would like it to be every other year. I don't think that'll ever happen for for financial reasons and I understand that so I'm I'm not going to beat that drum too hard because I just think it's really unlikely and it's better to to fight the winnable fights. But I I do think there is a finite amount of caring out there, a relatively finite amount of caring and I would rather see Double, double the amount of caring every two years, half to half than half the amount of caring every year. Personally, um, and you know that's that's emulating the Ryder Cup, isn't it? Which feels to me like it happens exactly the right frequency. I don't have to wait too long for it, but I have to wait long enough for it that it makes me salivate at the prospect of it when it does come around. Those are the two changes that I would put forward but the the first one I would 
propose at the forefront of my manifesto, David, because mm. I think it's achievable. I think that can happen. Yeah. Well, and and you've got the incentive if you do win the whole thing of knowing you haven't got to play all year and yeah. that you still get to stage this amazing thing. And if you and then if you win the other the finals week before it, you've got this ultimate challenge of going into the Lions Den and just yeah. you know, I mean it would be so cool. Um Yeah. But what I do think overall what we saw this week I do think we saw the difference between this and, say, the Labour Cup that people talk, uh, rightly celebrate for what it is, for the for the the great event that they've created there. You asked, none of those players who've played Labour Cup would slag off Labour Cup. They've all enjoyed it. But you asked them the difference straight after this week and how they felt when they lost or when they won and see that national fervor in their eyes and playing for their their nation it's just it was so special this week that element of it i just i wish more people could have seen it but my god those who did get to see it were in no doubt about what this meant you also don't see or hear about the fact that i'm not saying they don't love it and care about it they do with labor cup but they're all being paid to be there folks that's the thing that nobody talks about i know you do get a sort of you get a lot of prize money for winning this thing a lot yeah I mean, you get more than, there's more than two million on offer to the to the winning team but it's, alone. Pri- it's prize money it's not appearance i think that money. i think i'm not sure whether every team does it but certainly britain for instance pays appearance money for players to turn up it would be um, it'd be nothing compared to what the marquee names are getting to play Labour? Yeah, well, I, I, don't I, I can believe that. I can believe that. It's, it's, it's different. I mean, I think different type of money. I think, I think the team shared two and a half million or something like that for for Canada, and one and a half million, I think, was shared amongst the Australian team. So it's a it's good old pick. And up. that was the same um, same purse, wasn't it? That uh, was. Um, on offer at the Billie Jean King Cup Finals, I know yeah. Gamebridge, the uh, the title sponsor there, that was a a, a big part of what they brought mm. to the party and uh, enabling them to to level up the um, the prize money purse, and that's that's very very important. But those scenes, those um, that you know, when you think back to Heinz Guntard and the Swiss team and the look in their on their faces, and and mm. they're gonna they're not gonna ever forget this, what they've mm. achieved this year. Yeah, absolutely. And they had they we've had a press release, haven't we, about the uh, the size of the crowds that they've had. They're they're very very pleased with the attendances. Twenty one percent of spectators this week came from outside Spain, um, with a large presence of fans from Netherlands, Italy, and Germany. I do think that I mean it doesn't sound that much. I I think that's pretty good, actually. It's way higher, for example, than in Turin last week for for the ATP finals where it was fewer than 10% i think of uh, of foreign fans and that was with no no italian in in the tournament so i think that's decent and something something to build on and there overall some good attendances but virtually all yeah, week yeah it, it did feel good it was pretty you know obviously when spain played it was amazing when italy yeah. played it was really really good uh when the netherlands played they they had a good group with them but just generally, yeah. I, th- I think it felt like a good time. It felt like, yeah, I mean, it's not the same as the home and away all the time. Uh, of course not. But it's you are getting something else as well, though. 
you are getting that concentration in a single week. I just think that they've got to build it. It's just got to keep building. And I, and like and obviously when they when they decide to add on the extra week, Catherine and and have the uh, effectively the challenge round returned, like we've said they're going to, yeah. uh, or should, then uh, it'll be even better. We fixed it, folks. You can have that idea for free. That's how generous we are. Well, we haven't discussed that. <laughs> uh, we also because tennis never stops, David. We've had the announcement today of the qualifying ties for next year's Davis hey. Cup <laughs> happening in February. Uh, what have we got? We've got Croatia, Austria, Hungary, France, Uzbekistan, USA, Germany, Switzerland, Colombia, Great Britain, Norway, Serbia, Chile, Kazakhstan, uh, South Korea, Belgium, Sweden, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Netherlands, Slovakia, Finland, Argentina, Portugal, Czech Republic, uh, and all of the ta- name the the countries that I read out first uh, will be the host nations for those uh, for those home and away ties. So um, yeah, lots more tennis still to come. <laughs> it's going to be a long old way to go for. Uh... For British players, isn't it? Straight after the Australian oh. Open, go to Colombia. But, you know, what an experience. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that time we were talking about yesterday when um, Tim and Greg headed off to uh, to Ecuador mm. against the uh, Lepentititi brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is all for, for February, very soon after the Australian Open. And I think, David, that is a wrap. Yeah. On the Davis Cup 2022 and the tennis season 2022. Now, don't worry, folks. Uh, the 2023 tennis season does actually start in 2022. Yep. So you really don't have to wait long uh, for tennis to resume. But this is the the sweet, sweet four-week-long off-season. So book your holidays to the Maldives now. Uh, get yourself a training block in the diary and be ready for the end of December. Um, We're not going anywhere, are we, David? We will be with you throughout December. Um, We don't know exactly when our next uh, weekly pod on the main feed will be because we just, we just want to make sure Matt's okay. Mm. Um, So we'll be letting him get back to full health. Uh, so keep an eye on the newsletter because obviously you're all now subscribed to the newsletter <laughs> after my militant's direction. Uh, keep an eye on the newsletter for when our next uh, regular show is going to be. It'll be soon, folks. We won't leave you hanging for long. We just we just don't want to um, to commit to Matt before he's ready. And we have you got big plans, David, for off season shows on the Friends feed. So uh, if you don't want to go cold turkey then become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. The link to do that is also in our show notes. And as I said at the top of the show, 8th of December is when uh, mascots, executive producer, guest editor, all those positions become vacant. So if you want to guest edit a Tennis Relived show in 2023 ahead of one of the Grand Slams, uh, then you can snap up one of those slots on the 8th of December. That is the day, David. Uh, that I get a new load of people paying us to send us photos of their animals. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I can't, can't believe my luck. It's yeah. the absolute best. Yeah, it is, it um, is amazing. 
And, so and, and also, yes, you know, if uh, in the in the meantime, the the twenty five bonus episodes that we've already recorded for friends, if you do subscribe now, you get immediate access to all of those too. Um, and we've got new stuff percolating, as Catherine said. Yeah, some of the takes haven't even aged that terribly. I mean, some have, but um, yeah, there's some stuff that they're on on there that hasn't already gone horribly out of date. So um, enjoy. And uh, we will set about hatching plans, David, for for the off season for 2023 and beyond, because that is what we do best. And we love making this show. We love all you listeners that listen to this show. Uh, we love the friends of the Tennis Podcast that support this show and make it happen and allow us to travel to Melbourne, as we'll be doing in just a few weeks time at the start of 2023 and we absolutely cannot wait so thank you all to, for listening thank you to the davis cup for giving us a fantastic week's entertainment thank you tennis thank you of course to our mascots david you've got darwin i've got carter matt has the dearly departed gerald billy jean is sponsored by billy jean king and alana kloss uh, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are our executive producers and all around top blokes. And David, we have shout outs. Yes, we do. We have Brett Halsey from Miami in Florida, who says, My husband and I are both avid tennis players and have been together for 25 years. We've two, oh. We've got two adopted daughters who are both athletes, but sadly, despite our best efforts, neither plays tennis. They like volleyball and soccer. They also have a four-year-old Labradoodle named Winnie, uh, and they all love the podcast. So isn't that absolutely lovely? Um, I feel like... It, don't, has, has, Min, has Winnie been a mascot? I feel like... Don't know. That sounds a bit familiar. Have I just seen so many Labradoodles in our inbox? You, you have, yeah. You, you have seen <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> but Which anyway, is great. By the way, keep them coming. Thank you. Thank uh, you so Brett, much, Brett. Brett, thank you very much. Sounds like you're living a lovely life in Miami. Keep it up. We've also got uh, Aaron Roth from Mansfield in Massachusetts in the United States, uh, like Aaron Crickstein. And actually, we got some emails in response to Aaron the other day, people saying, is is Aaron Crickstein allowed? And I'm, no, I'm afraid not. not. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. But anyway, uh, I'm sure an Aaron tennis player will come along eventually. But Aaron Roth definitely can have that comparison. And Aaron says that uh, I organise a Sunday doubles group and have converted multiple members into tennis podcast listeners. So there, there you are, folks. There, there's your, there's Good your, on you, Aaron. There's your example. Evangelical. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron says, uh, also, David, you should give the pro staff another chance. The latest pro staff 97 is incredible. Yeah, but I'm not good enough okay. to use it, Aaron. <laughs> That's mm. the problem. So anyway, thank you so much, though, for being our friend. Like giving a magic wand to a hobbit. <laughs> um, we've also got uh, Leslie Gianelli from Wallingford in Connecticut, who says, I'm a... Oh, there's a Wallingford here. There's a Wallingford near where my parents live. Marvelous. I've jumped off a bridge in Wallingford into the river. Have you? 
Yeah, Imagine. probably wouldn't be allowed now. I hope it went okay. <laughs> They're stopping all of that. I thought it was exhilarating. Oh, great. I used to love a good bridge jump. Lovely. <laughs> I'm learning stuff all the time. Uh, Les- <laughs> Leslie says, I'm a figure skating judge. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And I love the I love Catherine's reflections on her past skating exploits. Wow. We'd love to know more about that, Leslie. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard job. Maybe we can send some Catherine Whitaker figure skating video footage for you to judge. Mm. <laughs> no need for that. It didn't go well at the time, David. Probably wouldn't go well 20 years later. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, thank you very much, Leslie. Do we know? Do we know any tennis playing Leslies? Leslie Allen. Leslie Allen, absolutely. Who is a listener to this show and uh, who's somebody who featured on our Althea Gibson tennis relived show that is still available from just yeah, over she's two very years. Very generous. Ago. Generous with her time. She's wonderful. Hello, Leslie. Hello, both Leslies. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we have Steve Talbot, who's from a. Let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. Serios. He's actually he's actually written it phonetically for me. Serios in New Mexico. Uh, and Steve says, Ooh. I'm new to the podcast because of the New York Times article in which you were featured. Uh... Uh, and he says, Steve and Lynn Manuel Miranda both. <laughs> Amazing. And Steve says, and I've been a big fan ever since, just like Lynn Manuel Miranda. Which, H- hello to Lynn. If I, keep, also. if I keep saying that out loud, I believe it's true. Uh, um, uh, my brother spent a year living in New Mexico. That's my connection to New Mexico. And Steve Talbot, like Steve Johnson, the tennis player. Okay. And like Brian Talbot, the former West Bromwich Albion manager. Oh, I thought you said Steve Talbot likes Steve Johnson, the no. tennis player, as if that was... Maybe he does. Maybe he's a big Maybe Steve Johnson fan. That's a possibility. And our fifth exist. and yep. final shout-out for Davis Cup Week is for Lars Graf. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it is indeed. Lars. Hello, uh, Lars. Th- these are my words, folks. So I'll give you a few of his in a minute. But Lars, yes, that one, uh, the chair umpire for 26 years, ATP supervisor, and now tournament director of the China Open in Beijing. He was the Wimbledon final umpire for the Andy Roddick against Roger Federer 2009 final, Catherine. 1640. I remember it well. Goodness, and he's a he's a he's a big tennis podcast listener, and uh, always always if I ever see him, he always uh, tells me to say hello to Catherine and Matt. Always, oh, uh, and always saying hello to you now, Lars. Yeah, and he says um, he now he he he's from Bostad in Sweden, home of the tournament, but he lives in Pontevedra Beach in Florida, which is where the ATP is based. And he says, I like dogs and horses. We have two Norwich Terriers, which are called Jojo oh. and Trules. And the name of our horse is L. <laughs> so there we are. Some Lars Graf trivia for you. Oh, he's, he lives in a menagerie. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Uh, oh, so. that sounds lovely. Well, now, next time I see Lars Graf, I will ask about his Norfolk Terriers. Norwich Terriers. Is that, are they, is Norwich that the same? Norwich Terriers. Is that... Yeah, they're all, they're, they're, no, not the same. Similar, similar vibe, Norwich David. is Suffolk, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's the place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they're not actually from Norwich. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Uh, I'm not I so mean, up on dogs. they originally. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Lovely dogs, anyway. 
Thank you, Lars. Cheers, Lars. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, thank you to all our friends of the show. If you want to get yourself a shout out on an intro, uh, the link to become a friend is in our show notes. All of that jazz that I've already said. Uh, tell your friends, leave us an iTunes review, all of that stuff. Send Matt some well wishes. Uh, he's been great, very grateful for all of those that he's received so far. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your ears soon. Mm-hmm.